evolutionary.org podcast coming your way. This is another Q&A episode, guys. Number 343 sees me here and Rick straight from the Bronx. What's up, man? What's up, Steve? What's up, guys? How's everybody doing out there? Good, good. So, guys, we have five great questions ahead, guys and gals. Let's get the first one. This is a really good one that we haven't talked about before. Being sore on cycle after workout. This is a guy, he said he nailed 475 on the deadlifts. The next day, he was sore. His back was bent backwards. He could barely walk. He's on a cycle, and he's like, why am I so fucked up, even on a cycle? He thought, he's thinking, wow, I'm on a cycle. I shouldn't be sore. I shouldn't be in pain. I thought steroids help me recover. So Rick, what do you think about this one? Has, has your experience been on steroids? You can kind of like go balls to the wall in your workout and not be sore the next day. What do you think is happening with this guy? You need more stretching on steroids. So you, you, you get faster recovery on steroids as far as your soreness, but your muscles to me seem to become more spasmic, more spasm prone. The way my massage therapist describes it to me, he just says you got salt in your muscles. You need to get in there and massage them. You need to stretch them out. There's more stuff going into them. Definitely more, more blood volume going into them when you're on steroids than when you're not. And although they'll recover, they'll, they'll repair. The tissue itself will repair itself quicker after having a, a workout. You get more deposits. There's more lactic acid. You just need to massage them and stretch them out more. It's been my experience on, on steroids when I'm, when I'm not, when I'm not on, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty, pretty good. No, no knots and my body feels free, feels free to lose. Once I'm on steroids and I've been on steroids for a couple of weeks, everything's just a little bit tighter, a little bit more spasm prone. Everything just seems like it needs a little bit more massage and a little bit more stretch and more help to feel the same. It's almost like it kind of, it's a give and take situation. As much as steroids, yes, they do help you recover um you know you can make the wild estimate this is what i've seen from studies and stuff 50 percent faster and all that means is let's say it's the same weight though you gotta take you can't take you gotta do apples to apples you can't do apples to oranges so if this guy he's pushing he's hitting prs on a deadlift 475 pounds a lot of weight all right and he's pushing himself overly pushing himself on the steroid stack then whatever benefits the steroids would have given him, all things being equal, are now negated. So a lot of times guys run steroids and they make themselves more prone to injuries. Now, what Rick was saying, that's, you know, that type of situation, I've seen this. Like, I've seen this in yoga. I've seen big bodybuilders, and I've, I've been myself, where you can't even wrap your arms around your back because you're so inflexible because of steroids and because of weight training. Just to throw something in, I think what my massage therapist describes as salt on, on, the, on the muscles, it's uric acid. It can, it can crystallize and actually deposit itself into tissues. And something for you guys, if you want to Google a little bit. And I think it just when you're on steroids, uh, you have more of a chance of these uh, uric acid deposits happening than, than not. It's my opinion on it. Yeah, and that's, that can all work against you. Um, basically, weight training 
decreases mobility, it decreases your flexibility. And as you grow muscles, those muscles start pinching against nerves. So over time, if you're not stretching, if you're not increasing your mobility, if you're not being lifting efficiently and lifting smart, you will create more injuries and you will create more problems for yourself that you wouldn't have before because you're kind of overdoing it. So in this guy's situation, I think it's a, it's, it's a simple answer to his question. He simply just overdid it and he, the next day he's paying the price. So now if he keeps doing the same thing and he keeps overdoing it, every workout he does on his cycle, he's going to end up dealing with nagging chronic injuries and he's going to end up doing things like herniating this and all kinds of these long-term injuries that you definitely don't want. So my advice to him is don't go balls to the wall when you work out. Rather, work out hard, but work out efficiently and work out smart because you want to basically take care of your body. You have to be doing maintenance on your body. You have to be doing stretching. If you're not disciplined enough to do stretching on your own, go to a yoga class or go do hot yoga. Hot yoga, you'll be able to stretch more because you're in a hot room and there's peer pressure and there's other people around you that have been stretching you know, there's chicks in the room with you who've been cheerleaders since they were four years old who can do all kinds of stretches and you're going to be, you know, you're going to be pushing yourself to stretch and you're going to increase your mobility that way. So that's an option for you. You need to also be doing, you know, some daily maintenance after your workout, do some stretching, make sure you're warming up before your workout. So just because you run steroids doesn't mean you just get to bash your body into the ground and magically recover from it. On the contrary, a lot of people who use steroids actually increase their chances of injuries and get more injuries on steroids. So you have to be really, really smart. I'm a victim of it myself because I go balls to the wall with everything I do. And I'm a victim of it because I hurt myself really, really bad. In my mid-30s, I hurt myself. And I haven't been able to lift as strong as I did back then. And I may never be able to lift that strong, but that's okay. Cause I learned my lesson, you know, so I've learned to lift smart and lift efficiently. Yeah. Coffee helps. Taurine obviously helps. Vitamin C helps eating cherries. Funny enough, I found really, really helps. So all those, all those, all decent things to kind of get some of that spasmic muscle kind of uh, tightness the steroids tend to give you. It's a, it's a good way to help, help you get rid of it. So next one is another topic we haven't kind of got into. This guy is on TRT. He's on a doctor scripted TRT. And the way that works is you go to a doctor, he runs your blood work, he writes your script, you get testosterone from the pharmacy, completely legal, completely legit. But in his situation, the doctor put him on 100 milligrams a week, which is a TRT dose. Now he's running steroids. He's running 500 milligrams of testosterone a week because he's running more than what the doctor is prescribing him. The problem with that, when he goes back to the doctor for his checkup, the doctor is going to have him run blood work again. And guess what? His, his levels are going to be way out of range. And his other things on his blood work are going to be out of range too. There's going to be other things 
So the doctor is going to know, hmm, something is going on here. And the doctor is going to be like, well, you know, uh, we, we got to lower your dosage, you know, because the doctor is going to get confused. So he wants to know how can he still cycle steroids and keep his doctor prescribed TRT and not get kicked off and not have his insurance company kick him off of getting that. So if you're running a steroid cycle and you're coming up to where you got to go to your doctor and get blood work done, it depends on what you're running. It depends on the ester you're running. If you're running a longer ester, I, I would give it a good five, six weeks. So this guy said his appointment is in three weeks. Well, what I would do is I called him up and be like, yes, I, I got a problem, blah, blah, blah. You know, I'm going to be out of town, whatever. I want to reschedule. So you, you go ahead and reschedule for another two, three weeks ahead of time. Give it a good five, six weeks where you're not running an excess dosage or other steroids that are going to fuck with your blood work. And then that will give the that will give you the chance for your body to go back to normal and the esters will be out of your system and you should be fine. You'll run blood work, everything will be good. But just keep in mind some of your other numbers on your blood work may be off. You might still have bad cholesterol levels because they don't magically go back to normal after a steroid cycle. They take time to go back to normal. You may have, you know, your estrogen numbers may, may be a little take scattered. A, you know? a, take N2Guard. It'll help uh, with your liver values. It'll help with cholesterol. Go to N2Guard.com, N2Guard.com. And definitely, well, it doesn't do anything for estrogen directly. So that won't probably won't help as much, but when it comes to your liver values and cholesterol, you, you see an, an improvement on the test. Yeah, and he should already be on that. You don't wait till then to do it. You should have been on it on cycle already. But you want to give it at least five, six weeks, at least. I would, you know, what I would tell guys is if you have a, a situation where you might lose your script and your doctor is testing you every so often, if you stack anything on top of TRT, it should be short ester stuff, uh, something that's in and out of your system really fast. If you're doing propionate or acetate or orals, you're doing some, some of the shorter esters, you're going to be fine. You're going to be fine because you can, you can get off this stuff the, the week of the test and you'll be fine. It's only when, say, if you got a script for cypionate, and then you go and throw a natate on top of it, undecanoate on top of it, equipoise on top of that. Now you'd have trouble ever testing uh, all right again for, for TRT. I mean, if the doctor's testing you maybe three times a year, you'll have a very hard time. So if you're trying to play the TRT game and toss a little something on top of your TRT, keep the esters low. Keep the esters really short. So you can get off of this stuff the same week of the test and be just fine for, for, for it. What do you think, Steve? You should be fine. Um, a short ester, a week and a half, two weeks. I would give it two weeks, maybe even three weeks if it's a short ester, just to be safe. And I would also, you could also run blood work on your own. You could go on evolution.org, find my name, Steve SMI, go in my signature or go in the source uh, subform, and you'll see a... a thread that I did on blood work, which explains everything on your blood work. You can go on there and get your blood work done on your own without going to the doctor just to make sure everything's cool. 
This way, when you go to the doctor and get blood work through him, that he is going to see, you'll be, you'll know, you'll, you can rest easy. You'll be able at least to sleep good at night, knowing that everything's clean. And if nothing, if it's not clean, when you get your own blood work, you can go ahead and extend the appointment further out. So it's a time thing. Time is, I don't know if I should say time is your enemy or time is your friend, but whatever time, you know, whatever, uh, you know, the, the cliche is in this situation, the longer you can wait after you drop back down to your TRT dose, the better it is for you. And, uh, you know, that's, that's going to be your best, your best option. All right, guys. So next one is going to be getting bloated on creatine and dextrose shakes. So Rick, you said you sell a really good product called ancient strength creatine and, uh, at n2bm.com. And the nice thing about the ancient strength that I like is that it's not just all mono. Because well, the mistake guys make on they take a bunch of mono creatine, and that is the creatine that can bloat you if you overdose on it. So your creatine is actually three different creatines, and two of the creatines are incapable of bloating you. Very, very small chance. So that's what I like about the, the ancient strength. You will not bloat on it. You will not bloat on it. You should not bloat on it. The dextrose, on the other hand, that's just sugar. So the problem with dextrose, what is sugar? Sugar is just gonna is a magnet to disease and, and, and inflammation and water retention. So why are you taking dextrose in the first place? It's just sugar. We get so much sugar in our diet already that there's no reason to add sugar to your shake. So, and then the third one obviously is your shake that you're drinking could be bloating you on its own because dairy is very, very inflammatory. So you combine all those three things. That is why you're bloating. So I would tell you, you got to ease up on those shakes. I don't drink these shakes at all myself, but some guys love to drink shakes once a day at the most or once every other day at the most. You don't need to be drinking shakes so much. You definitely don't need to be adding dextrose. Instead of adding dextrose to your shake, just add some fruit if you want it to be sweeter. And then, you know, a lot of people, they run insulin. So that's why they'll, they'll run, they'll add dextrose to, to their shake. So if you're not even running insulin, then there's no reason for you to be getting the dextrose in the first place. So this is a, just a classy example of copy pasting what a professional will do who's on a ton of insulin, a ton of HGH and drinks a dex shake after a workout. But a normal gym rat, which is 99% of us listening to this podcast, who are not messing with insulin and not messing around with tons of HGH, like the pros do, 5, 10 IUs a day, 12 IUs a day, you don't need to worry about drinking a shake after your workout in the first place. So no reason for you to be bloated up. I'll agree with most of that, actually. Yeah, mm. I guess maybe if you're an athlete, like uh, when like when I go mountain biking, I will put in a uh, in a in a dry container. I'll put some whey protein, dextrose powder, milk powder, peanut butter. Uh, put some some different things in there. Make my own kind of sort of meal replacer. And then when I'm up on the mountain and calories are getting low, I'll drop some water into this mixture, shake it up. And then I've got me myself a meal replacer. So 
and I'll have some some creatine sometimes too, some creatine tablets. I'll have uh, sometimes it right during the ride. But yeah, I mean, it's, there really isn't any any place for it for a bodybuilder. Really, I think you just have a regular good food, good diet, and don't need to add the dextrose if you're especially if you're trying to stay lean. There's no reason to it. Uh, creatine, as far as bloating, you know, I've had no real big issues with creatine and bloating. Some people do. They've reported it. Look, I question everyone's gut health always. You know, the first thing I ask everyone that reports any sort of issue is, what's your gut health like? Are you taking probiotics, fiber, digestive enzymes? When was the last time you took fiber and digestive enzymes for a month steady every day? When was the last time you did that? When was the last time you took probiotics steady for, for a month straight? I start off with those questions when people report stuff because you can't go to, you can't say the creatine is, is causing the problem. It's the, what's making me bloated. If you don't have, if you haven't taken proper amounts of fiber, digestive enzymes, probiotics to help your diet, to help your, your digestion along at least for a month, do that for a month. And then you can begin to, to see what, what else is ailing you. But for the most part, that'll take care of most, most people. I can't tolerate this food or, or the, the, again, creatine makes me bloated. Try gut health uh, regimen for 30, 60 days, 90 days. And then go back to the creatine, give that a shot and see if, it's, if you still can't tolerate, if you still are getting bloated from it. What do you think, Steve? Yeah, and the thing is, if you run the dextrose and you, run, you consume these protein powders, which are very, very inflammatory in the body, you're just going to make your gut health, health, health worse. Um, you should not be consuming a protein powder multiple times a day. Like I see some guys do. Some guys are running it. They're drinking these shakes after, you know, with every meal. You can't do that. You have to take care of your gut. Anything inflammatory in the gut is going to. I would agree with you, Steve. I wouldn't pump a bunch of protein through your gut every three times a day. If you haven't at least done a one, two month regimen of fiber every day, probiotics, digestive enzymes. You, you don't, you don't do that. You've got to get a good baseline first before you throw this stuff on top. This is where protein farts come from. You know, some of that protein makes it, it some of it makes it to your large intestine undigested and the bacteria there has fun with it. And you get this crazy protein farts during my anabar cycle. I was I was eating as much as five to six to seven scoops of whey protein a day. No problems with farts, no problems with bloating, no problems with anything. Why? So I take care of my digestive system. I can pretty much eat anything within reason and I'll be just fine. I've even had meat that's funny. I admit this. I've even had meat that's a little bit almost going to spoil. Won't get into the, into the reasons why, but, I've had even some and it did nothing to me. It's just, as long as your gut and your digestion is fine, you'd be really surprised how, how much, how much healthier you feel when that's taken care of. You just feel lighter. You feel, you feel great. And doing a full month, two months of fiber will take at least, I would say most of you guys an inch of your waist, just doing a month of, of psyllium husk. That's the best fiber to have, have psyllium husk, at least I would say 30 grams every day. You should never feel bloated or gassy. If you're getting gas like every day, there's something that you're either consuming or your gut health needs to be repaired. But you should not 
feel gassy. You should have regular bowel movements. You know, we live in a society, you turn on the TV, Rick, and every other commercial is gas X, uh, laxatives, heartburn medication, all this stuff. It's all gut health. This is a gut health dysfunction that we have in, the, uh, in North America. Uh, and it's because of an excessive amount of food and food intolerances that we've developed over the years. And a lot of that has to do with the way we grew up. We, we grew up with a lot of, you know, a lot of these food additives added to our food. Um, and that has caused these problems to be exasperated. And if you grew up in like another country, you might not have those problems, but it's, you know, we all have these problems. I think a lot of it is cereal. We grew up eating so much cereal every day, every, every day for, for breakfast. That's what kids eat. We ate, we eat cereal and cereal has all that gluten, all that sugar, all that crap that they put in cereal and all that causes those food intolerances as we get older. The increase in sugars and also we're just taking the fiber out of everything. We're just taking the fiber out. That, that's how we process foods. Now, when you go to the supermarket, uh, apples, they carve the, the skin right off. You, you get it in slices. Even, even oranges. Now, the, the little white film around the, the orange, you take, take that off and orange peels and they're peeled already. You're not supposed to take the fiber off the fucking food, guys. You know, we started off with white bread and, and then white rice and, and then white, you know, just, just, just splitting the fiber off of these carbohydrates. This is how you get fat. You know, this is how you get fat. So even the juicers, look, you, you, you I guess it's not bad if you're juicing vegetables, you know, uh, things that probably wouldn't be that, that great to eat um, raw like that, but you're use, juicing spinach with, with some other stuff. I guess this is a green juice is all right. But you, to just have your, your, your apples and, and your carrots and your oranges that way all the time, juicing them, extracting the water out of them and basically throwing away all of the fiber. You don't, don't do that. Stay, just have good fibers, food. Grab a bag of cherries every time you go to the supermarket. Have a bag of cherries a week. That's usually good, good maintenance fiber if you have already have good gut health. And I had to tell you, man, I don't remember last time I got, I got gassy or had indigestion or anything like that, man. I just keep it, keep up with the fiber, psyllium husk, digestive enzymes. Sometimes I'll run out of one or the other. I'll, I'll go grab some more. And it's just, just very, very um, consistent regimen. I have right now, I have probiotics in my refrigerator, two different kinds from a company called Raw. I think it's called Raw Organics. I can't remember the name off the top, off the top of my head. But you, you go into the health food store. I think Vitashop has them. And you go into the refrigerator and that's where you get them. And you keep them in your refrigerator. And that'll increase gut health. It'll Anything you throw your body will digest just fine. No more protein farts. None of this stuff. But you got to take care of gut health, number one. You got to baseline with that. Start off with that. Whole fruits and whole vegetables. I don't mind if you cook a sweet potato. I actually would prefer you cook a sweet potato. Prefer you cook bro broccoli. Uh, a lot of these vegetables are better cooked. They're easier to digest. Steamed, yeah, steamed, yeah. Yeah, and, and you got to eat that. I, if you're going through this every day, bloating and gas and all this, you have to transition to a plant-based diet for a couple weeks. And then you can start reintroducing your regular foods back slowly. But as you notice things are bothering you, you have to 
eliminate them. That's how you, you pull off something called an elimination diet. An elimination diet will, will teach you what is causing the problems or not. For example, with me, nuts, certain nuts give me gas and upset my stomach. Pistachios give me gas and upset my stomach, for example. But I'm fine to eating, eating raw almonds. I'm fine eating raw cashews. But pistachios, uh-uh, I cannot. But if I hadn't done an elimination diet, I would not know that. So you have to, you have to eat these. And what Rick was saying about the processed foods, like the typical American diet has zero whole vegetables and whole fruits, zero. And all the meats that are consumed are not whole single ingredient meats. They're actually processed meats like cold cuts, sausage, bacon, stuff like that. Or the cheapest low quality eggs, the cheapest low quality cuts of meat from from uh from walmart that the cows weren't even eating what they're supposed to be eating they're eating who knows what slop and you know and, and all this is all this is causing these these gut problems so you know you have to fix that until you fix that you will never ever be able to reach your fitness goal you know what i just found out today which i'm going to chase down further because this is not my niche so I, I just just ran across it today before the podcast Apparently, you can feed a cow 20% grass, 80% whatever else, regular feed that other cows get, and call that cow grass-fed. So apparently, to call legally be able to call a, a cow grass-fed beef, you only, it only needs to have had 20% grass. Yeah, it's like that with everything, Rick. It's just like olive oil. Legally, half of that olive oil, 50%, has to be olive oil. The other 50% could be anything else. So this is the lack of food quality that we have. So you have to go to a trusted place to get your, your food. Um, you have to go. A good farmer will, will raise grass-fed cows that are humanely taken care of, that are happy, that are out in the sun, getting, getting the vitamin D. Same thing with chickens. So one of the things I try to teach people with eggs is, is cage-free eggs doesn't mean anything. They could still be in a barn, okay, inside running around and be called cage-free. That doesn't mean that they're good. Steve, do, do you like to give chickens the vitamin D? Huh? <laughs> Is that a joke? <laughs> huh? No, I look for, with eggs, you got to look for the stick, the stamp, the humane friendly stamp. That means that the chickens were outside running around, pecking, eating bugs off the ground, eating seeds off the ground, having fun, happy chickens, lay, lay good quality eggs, nutritious eggs. They're getting the vitamin D from the sun, everything. The chickens that are miserable and, and that's where you get the salmonella and, and all the diseases. So your food quality is important. You got to know where you're getting your food. If you don't have a local, yeah, make, make, make sure you give your chickens the vitamin D. That's important. So, so you country folk. Uh, all right, guys. So the next one we're going to talk about is very weak after a night out drinking. Why? So this guy says that he had been doing really good, lifting heavy weights. He went out. He had a couple shots. He had a couple ciders. He had a couple beers. He was out for a birthday party. He hadn't drank in like months. So he goes and drinks. The next day he goes and works out and he's weak. And he wants to know why is that? He obviously knows drinking is not good for him, but he wants to know why does drinking do that to your body? And he's saying, and he wants to know, 
if he'll be able to bounce back and be uh, kicking ass again soon. So Rick, you're, uh, you're an expert on this. Tell us about why you, why does this happen when people drink alcohol? Well, alcohol uh, floods the axon of your nerves. Actually alcohol goes right into your nerves. And when you're drunk, alcohol is in the nerves. And then when you stop ingesting alcohol uh, and the concentration of alcohol lowers in your body because you're, you're not drinking anymore, then that alcohol starts to leave the nerve, starts to leave the axon. And then this is when you get like that oh, fucked up feeling. This is where you get like almost body pains and all these, and all these things. So best idea is just don't, don't, don't drink. Or if you do drink, uh, give yourself a couple of days and don't train. If you do drink, um, drink a liter of water before you start drinking alcohol. Drink a liter of water when you stop drinking alcohol before before bed. And then maybe the very next morning have uh, seven capsules of N2Guard uh, with a liter of water. Or you could even probably, you could probably take the N2Guard right before bed, right when you're done drinking, have a liter of water, if you can remember <laughs> to do that. And have some N2 guard. Even, you know, if you hit the, tr if you hit the treadmill or the, bici the, the bicycle, your health has to be good. You can't be drunk on a fucking stationary bike and, and kill over and die on me. But if your health is good, you drink a liter of water, you're on the stationary bike 15, 20 minutes before bed, you're good. I mean, if, if drinking is something you kind of do socially with friends and you're not plastered and when you get home, you still got your wits about you. You just don't want to, be like impaired the next day and not feel great the next day. Liter of water, maybe in two guard that night or the next. Make sure to take it after you're done drinking. Also, you can get on a stationary bike. 10, 15 minutes, treadmill, 15, 20 minutes. Break a sweat. Then, then get your ass to bed. After, after you've had a liter of water, after you had some, some electrolytes and you, and you broke a little bit of a sweat. Then you go to bed. When you wake up, you feel right as rain, man. You'll feel so good. You'll feel so good. Maybe maybe have a little bit of fatty food if you can. A little, little fatty food right before, right before bed along with, the, with that recommendation. So that way the next day, hunger doesn't wake you up. Sometimes people who, who, who drink a, good, a whole afternoon, next day they're, they're extremely hungry. And you're good. Just, just rest and... You're always going to have a bad hangover and give yourself, you got to give yourself a day of, a day of rest. And ultimately the idea is just stop drinking. Just don't fucking drink. Go out socially. Just tell people you don't drink and don't drink and just go out and have a great time with people, with friends, with girls, and just enjoy yourself and don't, don't drink. That's the bottom line. If you want to have a good time and you can tolerate it and you do just maybe a little bit of pot, pot's good. No hangover, a little silly doesn't affect your liver, doesn't fuck with your gym grind. And it's decent. You could do that. But that's about it. I mean, look, it's, it's a, it floods your, your nerves, and then it leaves your nerves. And that's what makes you – it floods your nerves, makes you feel drunk. It leaves your nerves, makes you feel like shit. That's what, that's what alcohol does in your body. The non-scientific answer to why you're struggling after a night of drinking is you just put a bunch of toxins in your body. You just made your body sick. So, of course, you're not going to be able to work out good. So, it's very, very important that you realize that you did set yourself back quite a bit. It could take you a week or two just to get back to where you were before. 
after doing this. Believe me, it's not going to take a day or two. It could take a week or two or more. So, you know, don't set yourself back and your fitness goals doing something like this that's very stupid. You can still go out and have a good time without putting a bunch of poison in your body. That's, uh, that's, that's the concept I think a lot of people don't, don't quite understand because they're, maybe they grew up watching their parents drink or maybe they grew up, maybe they went to college and, you know, their fraternity was all just a bunch of drinking and, and all that. So they kind of got into that habit of seeing a lot of drinking, doing a lot of drinking, and now as adults, continuing that, those bad habits of drinking. And um, I would, I would, I would, I would definitely like consider just quit, just quit drinking. I mean, you went months without drinking and then you saw what happened and one, one night of drinking, how, how bad it messed you up. So I would, I would just, just do it, just don't drink. I mean, it's not that complicated. I have a great time being the sober guy around drunk people, especially I, I go out with girls that like to party quite a bit and I'll go out with, you know, the girl and her girlfriends and they're drinking, acting a fool. And I'm bone sober, having a great time, incredible time. When everybody's drunk, the way they act, you can literally, it's like you, you're, you're invisible. You run shit. It's pretty cool, man. Just don't, don't fucking drink. Stupid. You know, I've, I've drank. I'm no stranger to alcohol. I know exactly what it's like. I'm speaking from experience. It just made me feel like shit. Um, beers, any kind of beers will, will irritate my gut, irritate my, my large intestine, give me anxiety, residual anxiety, uh, liquor, regular spirits. Uh, they just like this guy, they don't get out of my nerves for days. I could maybe have a, have a little bit of alcohol on a Saturday night, Monday morning, uh, Tuesday, um, it's time to write, it's time to answer emails, it's time to make decisions, it's time to make my fucking moves. And I'm like second guessing myself. I, I, I'll write a paragraph and I'll read it over and I'll find mistakes. I'll, I have a hard, I need to delay decisions because I'm not confident in what I need to do. And sometimes these decisions are, are time-based decisions and they're, they're important. You know, spending money on, on runs of product, purchasing raw materials, you know, uh, juggling, juggling funds for, for get to get to keep everything going. If I get on, if I get, if I get on my computer Monday, Tuesday, after having had a few drinks on Saturday, I I'm don't, I'm not as confident. I don't feel good. And especially when I have to write material from scratch, just blank page. And now I've got to write an article to explain how something works or get a message out to people. I'll read over it. it, it I'm like, did I fucking just write? That's terrible. That's exactly what happens. Is the reason why I don't I don't drink. It's the reason why I've abandoned alcohol out of my life altogether. It's I can feel that residual effect in my brain. That slowness. That even even anxiety gives me a little bit of fear. You know, my if I make decisions on a Monday or Tuesday after having had a few drinks on Saturday, those decisions would most likely be more fear based, more fear based than than optimism and confidence based. Because of that residual anxiety, and I'm already, I've already dealt with anxiety for, for a big chunk of my life. That residual anxiety makes, you know, makes a difference in, in your decision making. So it's the reason why I've abandoned it and, and why I don't, I don't mess with alcohol at all. I've got no desire for it. It's because, because it, it just impairs you for, for days and days after. But in the actual moment, it's pretty fucking cool. Being drunk in the moment, it's pretty darn cool. You, just, you don't remember much the next day. 
and it's pretty pretty cool. But, but a few hours of uh, a feeling buzz, it I don't know. To me, it's just not worth a couple of days of feeling shitty. And look, there are good drinkers out there. There are people that are incredible drinkers out there, and they could they could drink and go to work and work out the next day and and have no problem. Some guys you might know might know the Diaz brothers claim that they'll they'll go out drinking and then they'll be riding mountain bikes the next day. You know the the Diaz brothers, the fighters. So that's just one public person that said it that way. But I know people uh, personally, people that can have their drinks and and ride ride the bike the next day, go to work on Monday and be fine. Others like myself just fucking can't. You just can't. So you run that experiment. You see what group you're in. And you live your life accordingly. I bet it was the Diaz brothers. They've had a beef with you since they, what is it? Which hotel? When the Scarface? Remember Scarface? The Diaz brothers? <laughs> huh? Frank Florida, Lopez? Florida man and his uh, Florida pop uh, pop references. Well, dude, Scarface was actually filmed in LA. You know, you're, you're Florida man. Up, up, now that I, now that I figure that you're, you are Florida, Floridian. You're, you're, you're the typical yeah. Florida man. I think they filmed one scene in Scarface in, in actually in Florida. I think they, they filmed the rest of the movie in, in LA or in, like somewhere else. All right, guys. So the last topic of the day is a sad one. Uh, they said their spouse is in the hospital and they're, they're very upset about it. They need motivation to keep working out and all that stuff. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's got to suck having your spouse. Like, let's say you're with someone, right? You wake up next, you go to bed with the same person. You wake up next to the same person for years, months, years, whatever. And then one day they're not there and they're in the hospital sick. So yeah, that's got to really, really, first off, that's, that's really, really hard. That's really, really hard. I hope that's nothing serious and I hope that they're, they're going to be okay. Maybe they're just, you know, they had some, something happened. Maybe they were in a car accident, like a small car accident or something. They had to go to the hospital for a few days, but um, yeah, that really, really um, is a rough situation. So sorry for that. Um, what I would do is I would be like, once you know for sure, Hey, they're going to be out of the hospital in a week, two weeks, three weeks, whatever. I'd be motivated. I'd use that as motivation to get in the best shape I could. And then when they come out, you know, they can come home and that you'll be their surprise because you're going to be in the best shape you've been in. You can really, really get into fantastic shape in a very, very short time. If you, you know, um, you do a lot of different things to yourself and you get in a good mindset and then you come home, you, you bring um, a very positive environment when they come, when they come home, it's a nice positive environment. They'll walk into, they'll be happy. They'll be glad to be home. And it'd be a great opportunity for you to kind of just regrow your, your uh, relationship from there. What do you think, Rick? This is a hard one. You know, I can usually give great advice about stuff that's a little bit more superficial. This is hard because you don't you don't know what to say to someone when when they're going through something like this. You have to just you have to stay strong yourself for them. So going to the gym is part of practicing that that physical and mental discipline and health. 
And just just know that when you when you go to the gym, when you're taking care of yourself, you're not being selfish. You're you're taking care of yourself for your mate. You're saving yourself for your mate that's going through this. And and you shouldn't feel bad about it. You should continue to take care of yourself, especially if you have a significant other that's going through any kind of health issues. It's probably the best time to take care of your own health so that you're healthy to to take care of them. You know, that's what you commit to, right? In sickness and in health. So that's the best thing I could offer, that working on yourself, continuing to to work on some of your goals as your mate is is going through something. If you're really together, if you're if you're an item, if you're not not planning to leave, but you, you're together, you're an item. Anything you do right now to build yourself up and to work on yourself, it's just you're doing it for the both of you guys. You know, you're doing it for 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 both of you. If if you're continuing to to train, it's going to bring you more health, more mental clarity, better mood. If everything's going to improve over this, then you know, it's, it's, you got to do it. It's, it's okay. It's kind of the thoughts you have to keep in your mind. So you don't, you don't feel guilty about continuing on with, with your life uh, in ways and in, in normal and some of the normality of your life while you're going through this unnormal time, you know? Yeah. So, you know, definitely keep us in touch and uh, we're definitely thinking about you there's nothing you can do in this situation to help them. They're in, they're in the hospital. The best thing you can do is think about them when they come out and when they come out a nice positive environment, when they come home, maybe get them a nice um, something they really like, a, you know, gift or something at home that will cheer them up as soon as they get, they get home and, you know, go from there. I've never personally been in the hospital. So it's hard for me to answer this and, and tell you, you know, what you can do that will make the person happy. So I don't know, Rick, have you been in the hospital in this situation and come out? You mean with a significant other being in the hospital? Well, either or. Like, have you ever been the one in the hospital and then come out or either or? Uh, I've been in the hospital a couple of times. Uh, I think that the longest, one time I had nose broken. Another time I had a, a butt fly bit me in the calf. Uh, so I've, I've had a couple of, uh, of hospital instances and it wasn't, you know, it wasn't anything crazy. It was just very, very small. So what did you want to happen when you came home with your significant other? What did you want them to do for you? Did you want them to cook you a nice meal when you got home? Did you want them just to be with you? I mean, what I like, I've had a couple surgeries. What I wanted on my significant other is just to be there, just to be there and just to nurture me. Just, just to nurture me like I was a little puppy, you know, to cheer me up. That's all I wanted. I didn't need any, anything more than that. It means something, you know, when someone, when someone you, you love and you care about is there, is there for you in any kind of moment of pain, especially with some of these anesthesia and some of these, some of these uh, drugs coming out of your, coming off of it, it gives you like a really nasty, bad feeling. It's just so, you know, it's, it's good. It's good to have someone there for you. Yeah, we're social creatures. So um, leaving leaving the hospital, not having anyone there. Like how how many times do you hear um, stories like watching Maury, and the the girl the the woman will have a baby, and then the 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 dad won't even be there for the birth of their child, and then they'll leave the hospital and come home, and then the the dad will, won't even be home. 
How many times do you hear that? Like you do that to a woman, that's it. That's she'll never forgive you for that. You're done. So I mean, uh, some people though they're just incapable of empathy, bro. Some people are just incapable of empathy. Those are people, actually you know, look. I actually think empathy is is a terrible feeling to have. I think you shouldn't. You should try to. You should try to. You shouldn't feel empathy. You should feel compassion. Empathy can make you a tyrant. Empathy can make you a monster. Empathy can make you into a really bad person. You want to feel compassion is what it is. And the main difference is empathy. You're overwhelmed. You're, you're, you're overcome. You're infected by the other person's feelings. You feel what they feel. If they're sad, you get sad. If they're lonely, you get everything that they're feeling. You're feeling. Uh, and that'll cloud your judgment to actually help, help in an effective way. When you feel compassion, on the other hand, you can see the pain, you can see what they're going through, but you, you keep your mind straight, you keep your heart straight, you're not overwhelmed by it. And you are, and when you offer help, you're more likely to offer good, fair help, uh, the pro appropriate help, because you're not going through an emotion, emotional stress this person is going through. So, but, but on the other hand, empathy, you're trying to make a decision to help this person get them out of this feeling because you're overcome by it. And this is when you might become a tyrant. This is when you might do things without asking someone. This, this is when you start maybe doing things for someone's own benefit without asking them, without consulting. You know, that's just one, one toxic way it can manifest itself. But, it can, but empathy can, can be toxic in many ways. So I just I tell everybody I know, fuck empathy. Compassion is, is where it's at, is what you need to, where you need to focus your, your mind in. Empathy is a, is a terrible, uh, it's a terrible feeling to have as one. It's up there with jealousy and, and envy as uh, some of the feelings you should try to avoid. You should want to help and get someone out of their predicament, their pain, without being overcome by it. You just, just on just noticing it alone, it's my opinion. Yeah, and that's, that's definitely, the, the jealousy part is a, is a real killer because that's a negative emotion and that... Um, I can see what you're saying with the empathy. Yeah, definitely. That can kind of draw, that can turn into a negative emotion and that's not helpful. You can turn into a tyrant and start making decisions for someone else because you, you feel their pain. I mean, it, 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 and again, that's just one toxic manifestation of it. It can, it can manifest itself in a, in a ton of other ways. All right, guys. So that was the uh, podcast, the Q and a, uh, we'll have another Q and a next week. Keep the questions coming for Steve, Smee and Rick has been another episode of Evolutionary Radio. We'll talk to you guys next week. Have a good one. Have a good one, Steve. Have a good one, guys. Guys, this is the required legal disclaimer. We are only sharing our experience from years of steroid use. We are not doctors, and none of what we say should be regarded as medical advice. Always check with your doctor before taking any drugs or starting any training program. All right, and this is the end of the podcast where Steve and I do a, a joke, right? So, Steve, you wanna you wanna go first? All right. Um, so this is this is kind of a funny slash scary story slash joke. 
Um, it's not like a knock, knock joke or anything, but I'm really a much better storyteller. So I think you guys will enjoy this. So maybe about 10 years ago, Rick, if you remember on EF, I had that, that car accident. So I was out for like a week. The, uh, the form almost collapsed with me gone for a week. I was in the hospital and I was recovering from it. And I would, when I was in the hospital, I was, um, you know, in and out of, uh, you know, what do you do when you're in a hospital bed, right? All you do is sleep. So I slept a lot, lots of sleep, lots of rest, nothing serious, but I was in the hospital and I had a dream about this, this girl, this little, little, this little girl, little cute girl. She gave me a, a, a stuffed animal while I was sleeping. And then, um, the next morning I woke up and that same stuffed animal was right next to me in the bed. So I told my girlfriend, I'm like, I'm like, what is this stuffed animal doing here? Like, I swear I had a dream about it. And she's like, oh, some little girl in the hallway gave it to me. She handed it to me. She said, give this to Steve. It'll make him feel better. But she talked to her in Spanish. It wasn't in English. It was my girlfriend was from Cuba. So she, she spoke Spanish. And I didn't speak. I don't speak much Spanish. I speak a little bit, but not much. So... <laughs> So uh, your people, Rick, your people over there from Cuba, like from Havana, where you're originally from. You people. <laughs> so anyway, we come home finally. And when I get home, I'm like having these nightmares at night. I'm dreaming about the stuffed animal. I'm dreaming about the girl. She's like, you know, looks like really weird. So then I start hearing noises coming in the house. Like the other side of the house starts hearing noises in the middle of the night. So my girlfriend and I, we get up, we hear noises. So we go in the room. We open up the door and there's things moving in the room, like little toys moving around, the stuffed animals moving around. I'm like, what the hell is going on here? So then like the next day we're sleeping and we get woken up, man. We hear this knocking. So we go, we run over there. It's like 2.30 in the morning. That's usually when ghosts are most active. So we run in there and we, and we open the door and we hear, hola, Nick. And I'm like, I'm like, are you the little girl that gave me the, the, the stuffed animal when I was in the hospital to make me better? And she's like, and I, you know, she didn't say anything. And I was like, how can I help you? Like, do you need help? She's like, mama. So I'm like, oh, you want your mama? All right. What I'm going to do is I'm going to try to track down your mama. And uh, so then I ple I'm like, please, you know, don't hurt me. I won't hurt you. So I close the door. We start walking away. Then we hear bang, 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 bang. So I open up the door and we look on the bed and there's like a black shadow figure in the shape of a girl, like sitting on the bed. And my girlfriend flips out. She's like, brujeria, brujeria, el diablo, el diablo. She starts yelling. And I'm like, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? So we run outside. And the next day I'm like, we gotta, we gotta leave. We gotta leave. So then, so then like we call the landlord. We told the landlord, look, this place is haunted as fuck. We have to get the hell out of here. But she was screaming in the, the road, like in her underwear, brujeria, brujeria, like yelling. And uh, well, I don't even know what that means, right? What's brujeria? Well, uh, bruja means a witch and brujeria means like witchcraft. Oh, okay. So she thought it was a witch. Okay. So yeah. So anyway, we ended up moving out and um i threw that stuffed animal in the trash and uh, never had a, a problem since with, with that particular ghost so that's that's my story yeah that's my uh, funny story that was funny what do you think was it scary i don't even know man all right i mean i, I guess is that a real story you you weren't like making that up that's a real story 
But you didn't think that was funny that she ran outside in her underwear and then on the street and like every, all the neighbors are calling the police. She's like in her underwear screaming, Brujeria, Brujeria. That's, you don't think that's funny? Well, I guess. I guess it could be. <laughs> I, got, I got a couple for you. I got a few. I'm going to. All right, make us laugh, Rick. Make us laugh. I'm going to fire off a bunch of your mama jokes real fast. You ready? Ready? Yeah, always right. Your mama's so fat, I took her to the movie theater and she was sitting next to everybody. Your mama's so fat, she's on both sides of the family. Your mama's so fat, her cereal bowl came with a lifeguard. Your mama's so fat, her job title is spoon and fork operator. <laughs> well, you making these, these, these your mama jokes. How about your daddy joke? Your daddy's so fat, when he, when he went to the movie theater, he sat next to everybody. Your mama so fat, she fell in love and she broke it. Your mama so fat, her belly button's got an echo. Your mama so fat that when she sits around the house, she really sits around the house. Your mama so fat that when she gets into an elevator, she has to go down. Your mama so fat that she went to get her shoe shined and she had to take the guy's word for it. Your mama so fat you have to grease the whole door frame and hold a Twinkie on the other side just to get her through. Your mama's so fat that when she showers, her feet don't even get wet. <laughs> so are you reading these? Or you have to actually memorize all these? Nah, I took some notes down. I had I've been okay. thinking I've been thinking about them all week, so I took some notes down and put it, put it, put them here. <laughs> that first one was from the Fresh Prince. Yeah, the when I took her to the movie theater, she was sitting next to everybody. Yeah, that was from. No, I think the first one you said was yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, there you go, guys. So right. that is that is the joke, Dizzle. Yeah, have a good one, Steve. All right, guys. We'll talk to you guys next time. All right.